Welcome, everybody. Hope everybody is doing well on this unusually crazy weather we're having this Saturday. Hope no one's camping this weekend. If you are, you kind of got some uh, interruptions throughout our day with that rain, huh? So, but welcome. Welcome to the exchange. If uh, you're new here, welcome. Thank you for coming out to join in us tonight and worship with us. If this is your, uh, your home for worship, again, welcome. Glad you're here tonight. We are kicking off a new study this evening, a uh, study entitled God's Plan for the Abundant Life. We have spent the last few weeks laying a foundation, a foundation of God's amazing his sustaining, his saving goodness, and his grace. Evan kicked us off a number of weeks ago talking about God's unmerited favor. That's God's grace for each and every one of us, right? And guess what? Today, we rest in that grace. Today, we rest in that grace, and we can ask that question. So then, knowing that foundation, that we have God's unmerited favor in us, how then shall we live our life? How then shall we live this life that we get to experience moment by moment throughout each day? All right? And guess what? God gives us that guidance through his word, and we're going to talk tonight about the presence of his Holy Spirit in our life, knowing how we live out this amazing plan for each and every one of us. All right? And I think appropriate starting point for that plan an appropriate starting point, and again, as we continue to lay this foundation, is a recognition, guys, of the reality today in this moment of the Holy Spirit living and active in your life. If you have placed your faith in what Jesus did on the cross, guess what? You are now the temple of God's Spirit. All right. When we look at his plan, when we look at his purpose for our life, that is exemplified, that is lived out through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Jesus, in his own words, promised that he would send the Holy Spirit to live in the life of believers. All right. He's equipping his disciples at the end of his earthly ministry. He's equipping his disciples with truth. And in that equipping, he also promises, guess what? I'm going to send to you a helper. I'm going to send to you one that is going to guide you, guide you into truth. Jesus laid a continuous foundation in the life of his, of his followers, but guess what? He's going to send the Spirit to continue that process that he began and to bring it to full fruition. The Holy Spirit is promised in the book of John, beginning uh, in chapter 16, beginning with verse 5, where he says, But now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So he promises the Helper will come. His disciples are a bit distraught over the fact that Jesus is going to go away. And as you all know, Peter you know, was willing to fight to the death for Jesus. All right? But little did Peter know about what was coming in store, how he would be inhabited 
by the Spirit, how the works that he would do in amazing ways in healing people and bringing forward the gospel would come to fruition when he was then inhabited by the Spirit. Jesus goes on to say in verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. He will equip you to know all things. All right? Jesus promises the helper. He promises the helper will will come and will guide us into all truth. And shortly thereafter, in the book of Acts, that promise comes to fruition. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had come, and this day of Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover. So this kind of sets the stage of where we're at. When the day of Pentecost had come, they, the disciples and other followers, were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterances. Prior to this, prior to this filling, the Holy Spirit was at work, primarily in the life of priests and prophets for the purpose of bringing forward prophecy. The Holy Spirit would come And in many situations, the Holy Spirit will go. But here in the book of Acts, in this moment, believers are now inhabited with the Holy Spirit. This is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? And at this point, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. The Holy Spirit fills believers with his presence. And we who have come after this, the moment we've placed our faith in what Jesus did on the cross, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We are now that temple of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, we're going to look at the role the Holy Spirit has in guiding us into truth. We're also going to talk a bit about how the Holy Spirit in our life as we surrender, as we declare our dependence upon him, produces in us certain qualities, certain traits. Tonight we're going to talk about the character trait of love. All right, but before we go any further, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have tonight to open your word. I pray in all things tonight, Father God, that you open our hearts, open our minds to what you have for each and every one of us. We know full well, Father God, that your plans are amazing. They are good, and we are part of your plan. Tonight, may we hear you. In all things, may we recognize that it is you that is at work in our life, working and willing for your good purpose. We love you, Father. We just thank you for your love for each and every one of us. Amen. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our helper. He promises the Holy Spirit will guide us. Jesus doesn't promise the Holy Spirit will control us. 
He doesn't promise that the Holy Spirit will drive us. He doesn't promise the Holy Spirit will force us to do anything. He says the Holy Spirit will guide us. And I think sometimes in my life, I wish the Holy Spirit would take greater control. At times when I'm tempted, at times when I just don't want to do what I know I should do, I wish at times the Holy Spirit would just take over. But guess what? That's not how we're designed. We're designed with an ability and I believe a desire to choose. God gave us that desire, gave us that ability. And he desires that we choose him as our source of life, as the giver of abundant life. But he doesn't force us. He doesn't force us to choose him. The Holy Spirit guides us moment by moment throughout our day. The book of John says the Holy Spirit guides us into truth. He helps believers discern what is true, what's not. He helps holy, holy followers, which you all are, in what is wise and against what is foolish. The Holy Spirit helps believers discern what is best and what is just simply okay. But in that whole time, he's guiding us. He's honoring our decision. He desires that we choose him as our source of life. But if we choose not to, I do believe the Holy Spirit honors that decision also. As he's guiding us into truth, we can know full well throughout our day as the challenges come our way, as the, the imperfections of this world raise their ugly head. We can know full well and trust in the fact that the Holy Spirit continues to guide us. When things don't work out the way we desire that they work out, when things don't happen the way we desire, when those substantial obstacles come in, li obstacles come in life, whether it be health, whether it be finances, whether those be marriage challenges or work challenges, the Holy Spirit continues to guide us. Does it mean we avoid those challenges? No. No. But we can know full well in the midst of those challenges, the Holy Spirit is continuing to guide us through. Never once have we left his presence. Never once will we leave his presence. We can know full well in the midst of those challenging times when we are weak, we can trust in his strength lived out in our life. I do believe in the midst of our day, the Holy Spirit will give us that little extra discernment in knowing how to approach things moment by moment. What he desires, though, is that we choose him, is that we choose his will and his way. The Holy Spirit guides us. I do believe also the Holy Spirit changes us. I do believe the Holy Spirit at work in our life causes a change in how we lived our life before we knew Christ or maybe how the world around us lives its life out. Galatians 2.20, which I've preached on here before, one of my favorite passages in God's word, says that I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me 
and gave himself up for me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Your old self, your old ways of getting your needs met apart from him has been crucified. That died, that old life died with Christ on the cross. And with Christ, you now live. You live as a new creation. The life which you now live, you live here on this earth, is what Paul is saying here. We live by faith. And Christ lives in you. The presence of our Holy Father lives inside of us. With this, we have been equipped. We are empowered every moment of our day to live a life that's different. We live a life that is dramatically different than maybe the world around us. We are now indwelt by the Holy Spirit. At the time of salvation, we now live a life that is designed for us to be dependent. A life where we're designed to submit to the leading of that spirit in our life. We're under his control. As he prompts us, as he guides us, we can now respond in obedience to his leading. And as we do, things change. The way we look at life changes. The way we experience life changes in a dramatic way. Paul goes on in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and lists out some of these changes that happen as we declare our dependence upon the Holy Spirit. As we recognize that our life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself up for us. A life that's changed. Paul, in chapter 5 of the book of Galatians, says, Chapter 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Against such things there is no law. And, and, And to get a full understanding of what Paul is saying here in Galatians, we need to look back at the book of John. All right? We need to take a look back at the book of John, John chapter 15. And this is kind of a little bit of a detour that God took me on this afternoon. So guess what? Don't have a slide on that. Sorry about that. Um, But want to be obedient to his leading. John 15, beginning with verse 4. In Jesus' own words, he says, Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus, in his own words, is talking about what Paul is referring to in the book of Galatians. A basic tenet of studying God's word is scripture does interpret scripture, 
right? And what Paul is saying is in recognition again of what Jesus said. Jesus is saying, guess what? As you stay connected to me, as you declare your dependence upon me, as you submit to my leading, you will bear fruit. And Paul is talking, that fruit is love. It's joy, it's peace, patience, kindness that we just talked about. Recognize this. Many times in our life, we try to be more loving, don't we? We try to be more joyful. We try to be more at peace. We try to be more kind. We try to be good. But guess what? Those are fruits that we are designed to bear. Those aren't fruits that we were designed to produce. We were designed to be the illustration of those fruits in our life. As we live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit's leading, the Holy Spirit's job is to produce those fruits in our life. And he does as we stay in connection with him. As we abide in Jesus' own words, we are those bearers of fruit. Tonight, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the fruit of love. This love that Paul talks about in Galatians refers to the power that moves us to respond to someone's need with no expectation of reward. With no expectation of reward. This is what we would call unconditional love. This is what we call a totally selfless love. It's a love without expectation of reciprocation. This is a love that lives out and fulfills the law. We can love because guess what? God first loved us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. Love is mentioned 40 times in the 105 verses of 1 John. 40 times. But in these seven words, we see the source. We see the source of that love. And that source is our Heavenly Father. We are able to love because he first loved us. Love starts and love stops with God. He's the author of it. He is the creator of that love. But before we can allow that love to be an outward response to others, I believe in my heart of hearts that we need to fully recognize the love that we have from our Heavenly Father. Too many times we kick that love to the curb because we want to experience it the way we experience life in this earth. And so many times on this earth, we experience conditional love. So we think God loves us in that same way. We experience love if we do the right things. We experience love from friends and family members if we do this or we do that. That's what's called conditional love. Paul is talking about something different. And John is talking about something different in how God loves us. Our Heavenly Father loves us with a love that is not dependent upon what we do. That's why we call his grace unmerited favor. It's not based upon what we do. 
And until we recognize that, until we live out that unconditional love, we're not able to be that conduit to love others. Because if we believe God loves us conditionally, we will love others conditionally. But that love that we've received, the love that we bear, is an unconditional love that is regardless of performance. We can trust him. We can trust our Heavenly Father. We can yield to him because his love is good. He loves you right where you are today. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what's happened in your life, your Heavenly Father loves you right as you are. And as we bask in that truth, as we bask in the truth of being loved right where we are unconditionally, we can be that conduit of love to others. We can be that love vessel to others that we come into contact with. 1 Corinthians 13.4 is a vision of how this unconditional love fleshes out in our life. 1 Corinthians 13, 4, if you are married, there's a good chance that this verse was probably read at your, at, your, at your wedding, all right? It gives God's vision, I believe, of how the Holy Spirit is going to live out love in the life of a follower of Christ. It is going to give a vision of the Holy Spirit's working in your life. This is a vision of the love that we bear. In all of our efforts and trying, we will not be able to produce this because that's not how we were designed. We were designed to be that bearer of fruits. In our marriage, as a parent, as an employee, as an employer, as we interact with the person at the gas station, you know, grabbing coffee in the morning, this gives us a vision of the Holy Spirit's working in our life to love others. Paul goes on to say, love is patient. Okay? Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Love rejoices in truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And love never fails. These points describe a totally unselfish love that only comes from and only comes through God's love flowing through us as we come into contact with others. We may try to love like this. We may work our hardest to be more patient, to be more kind, to rejoice in the truth. And for a little while, we probably can do that in our own strength. For a little while, we can be patient. But eventually our flesh rears its ugly head to bring us to a point in time to realize, I can't. 
I was only designed to be that conduit of love. And everybody, that's where God wants us, to recognize we can't, but he can. He can, in our life, live out this love in a way he designed us to live out, in dependence and obedience to him. This is a vision of what's called agape love, an unconditional, selfless love. Agape is one of the rarest words in the Greek language, but it is used throughout the New Testament to describe the love that we are equipped to have for others. It's a love that we are filled with from the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's a love that overflows us as we come into contact with others around us. It is the empowering, it is the type of love that happens as we stay connected to our Heavenly Father, as we recognize Jesus as our source of life, as we recognize the plan that He has for us in laying out love is to recognize, I can't, you can. He desires us to be in that spot where we can't do it on our own. Max Licato, one of my favorite Christian writers in his devotional on the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, tells the story of a father who out of overflowing love for his son spends each night in a recliner with an alarm set to wake him every other hour. Previously, a number of years ago, a car accident paralyzed the teenage son from the neck down and to maintain his circulation. Physical therapists and occupational therapists throughout the day massage his limbs every few hours, but they leave. At five o'clock, the dad comes home and he takes the place of the therapist. He's worked all day and he'll probably work again tomorrow every other hour he sets his alarm to wake up. He massages the limbs of his paralyzed son. That's a love overflowing from our Heavenly Father. That's a love that flows as we declare our dependence upon his leading. As a dad, I love our kids. We have three, Shelby, Alex, and Noah. And I would do anything for them. But to wake up every other hour, that's a love that I can't manufacture. That's a love that only comes as I stay connected to the giver of all life, to the giver of all love. That's a vision, guys, of the Holy Spirit working in the life of a dad to serve his son with no expectation of reward. It is only through the indwelling presence of Christ that he, and I believe we, could live out that same type of love. That's a vision. 1 Corinthians 13.4 gives us that vision.
of what that love looks like. How are you doing with that? Do you recognize the Holy Spirit working in your life? Do you recognize that he has given you the helper that will guide you, that will guide you into truth, that will equip you to live out this type of love that he has for you and others that you come into contact with. Jesus, in his own words, said, I have come to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. We recognize that as we recognize the truth of the Holy Spirit's working in our life. Josh and Carrie, if you guys want to come up as I wrap up here, every prompting, every nudge, every bit of guidance is directly in line with God's purpose for you. He invites you. He doesn't force you. He invites you to experience this life, this life connected to the vine. As we stay connected, guess what? We bear that fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Tonight we talked about love. What does that look like as we come into contact with those around us? I hope they see in us the Spirit's working. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you lay out in your word in such a clear way your vision. You desire, Father God, that we stay in connection to you, that we abide in you, that we recognize as we do that you change us. Thank you that you are changing us. May we know full well apart from you we can do nothing. But as we stay connected to you, Father God, we live out the abundant life that you have for us. We love you. We thank you for your awesome love for us. Amen.